0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Today, I want to talk today about God of the generations. God of the generations. And the reason I want to preach about that is we do have Bible Adventure Week coming up this coming week. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday for the younger ones. But then we also have in a few more weeks from that, we have our big summer camp for middle school and high school students coming up, uh, with which there's 130 students coming so far. Come on, now you can rejoice for a second. There's 130 students coming in a few weeks to summer camp, and so we're going to be doing that in a few weeks, and we're going to be taking up an offering for that. So A lot of what we've been doing lately has to do with kids and youth at our church, and we've been putting a lot of money into it. We took up an offering for Bible Adventure Week, which we surpassed our goal, over $7,000 for Bible Adventure Week, and then we're going to take up an offering in a few more weeks for summer camp, and then we got summer camp, like I said, 130 kids coming to that. So this is a time in our church where we're really emphasizing kids' ministry and youth ministry But I want to talk about it so you don't just know about it in your head, but you get it in your heart why God cares about the generations. So can we talk about that today? Because God is a generational God. Now let's start here in Psalm 78 in verse 4. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell them the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even though the the children not yet born and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So this morning, I want to talk about the God of generations. Now, God is a generational God. You realize when you read your Bible and you read all the genealogies in the Bible, which there's a lot of them, and they're sometimes the struggle buzz to get through when you're trying to read your Bible. You know, uh, Ephraim begat Isaac, and Isaac begat uh, Zephaniah, and Zephaniah begat Haggai. You know, you've you read that part of the Bible, haven't you? It's all over the Bible. And you know why the genealogies are in there? What are those? Generations. And God cared about the generations so much, he put them in your Bible. From Adam all the way to Jesus and beyond, he put all the different generations And we see the genealogies in the Bible. Those are the generations. Why? Because God cares about the generations. One of the most quoted things in the Bible is when it's spoken about God in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it refers to God as he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice not just one generation, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he's a God who loves the generations. And our faith should be passed down to the future generations. But we have to be intentional about it or it will not happen. It does not happen automatically that the generations receive the faith from the former generation. It's not automatic that we just pr- progress as a church and a church community and we reach further generations just because they're here at church. No, we have to be intentional about Giving the next generation our faith. But God loves generations. In the New Testament, Timothy, which was a son in the faith of Paul, it says about him who, Timothy, he pastored the church at Ephesus. And it was a mega church in that day. Some said there was tens of thousands of people that went to the Ephesus church. It was pastored by Timothy. He says in in Timothy that your faith didn't just come from you, Timothy. It was first in your grandmother and in your mother. And now I'm persuaded that that same faith is in you. Why? Because God cares about the generations. And he's a generational God. What is the point if we just have a good run with our life and our generation, and then the next generation knows nothing about God? It's all pointless. It's all worthless. If, if we just care about our generation, like, man, we rocked it out at Church on the Rock, man, a few decades. We had a, we had a great run, didn't we, though? 95, 96, 97, 98. But we ain't in 95, 96, 97, 98. We in 2023. God's plan for all of us in here, both in your family and in the church, is that you pass on something to the next generation. And the generations after you, because you set them up in such a good place of faith, that they go way further than you ever went. That they reach way further far past anything you ever accomplished in your life because the generation should be getting stronger to stronger, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Now, I'm already preaching really good in this Methodist church today. We need to be intentional about reaching the generations. It does not happen automatically. But God cares about the The generations. He is the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a generational God. He wants our faith to be passed on. It's so important. Look look at this verse in Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. And lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. He is the God who's faithful even to a thousand generations. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because God cares about the generations. He cares about the future. And he wants us to pass on our faith. But you'll see this pattern throughout the Bible that the generations usually go in threes. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Timothy's grandmother, mother, and Timothy. And in the Bible times, a generation is usually 40 years. That's how they split it up. Now, we split it up a little bit differently. Like, every, like, 10 years or 20 years, we say it's a new generation. But Bible times, it's 40 years usually is a generation. So, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We could split it up that way. And in our church... It's the same way. There's three generations if we split it up that way, 40, 40, and 40. There's people in our church that started this church, mm-hmm. that founded this church, that got us to this place we are today. Then there's my generation, mm-hmm. the middle generation, the best generation. <laughs> the redeeming grace of this church. No. There's a the middle generation that we grew up in this church. Now, my generation has kids in this church. And they're growing up. And they're in Kids on the Rock. And they're in the quarry. So there's three generations in our church right now. Just like the Bible. The, the 40, 40, and 40. There's three generations. But it's not automatic just because there's three generations here right now that there will always be. If we don't do something intentionally, both personally in your own families and as a church to do something about reaching the future generations, it won't happen. We need to be intentional about passing on our faith. And that's what I want to share today because it's important not just as a church, but you parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and whoever you are in here. If you have children in your life or young people in your life, you need to care about them and you need to listen to what I'm saying today. Because it's not going to be automatic just because you dropped them off at church a few times, they're going to get it. It's not automatic that just because they came to a summer camp or a Bible Adventure Week that they're going to get it. Now, that's important, but it takes more than that. We as families and as a church family need to be intentional about passing our faith to the next generation. And it starts today. It starts when they're 2, starts when they're 5, starts when they're 20, and they're 12, and they're 25. It starts in those years, youth and and, uh, kids and young adult years. Those are the most important years of their life. And we need to invest as a church in the generations. I thought I should be getting a better amen from parents in here. It doesn't happen automatically. And that's what I want to talk about today. As a church. Now we're in a good place as a church right now, but if we don't have these conversations, we could end up like a lot of churches do when it's just gray heads in the congregation. There's no young people, there's no uh, young couples, there's no youth, and the church is declining and it will go trickle down to 30 and 20 and 10, and then they'll close the church down and they'll sell it to somebody else. That happens all over the world and all over this community all the time. Why? Because one generation decided, I'm just going to think about me. I'm just going to keep it to myself. I don't want to make these changes because church is about me. My faith is about me. But we need to be able to make these changes to reach the generations to come. That's important. And that's what what I want to talk about today because I want our church to be a part of that. So, Thinking about the generations, there's threes. There's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's 40, 40, and 40, the generations. There's three in our church, generations like that. But Dr. Summerall said it like this. Usually this is what happens when there's three generations like that. There's the generation that experienced it. Then there's the generation that knows about it. And then the third generation knows nothing about it. That's what naturally happens. In the business world, they say it like this. There's the founder or the owner. Then the next generation is the keeper or protector. And usually the third generation is the, the person who squanders the inheritance that they got from the other two generations. Now, that naturally happens. It happens in the church world. It happens in the family. And it happens in the business world that naturally our tendency is to go like this. Between the generations. So I'm saying that to say today, if we don't do something different, our church and our families will end up just like that. Why? Because that's a natural tendency for any church, for any family, for even any business. After a few generations, you end up there unless every generation takes ownership for their responsibility and passes it in a proper way to the next generation. And doesn't just tell them about it, but trains them in it and talks to them about it and shows them the example and gives them the tools they need to pass on their faith and to be a success in life. That's what we need to do as a church family. Or we'll be like this. We got the founder generation, and then we got the keeper protector generation. That's me because I knew a little bit about it, so I'm trying to, to keep it going, what's going on. And then if you don't train up the next generation, they inherit it and they ruin it. They don't have to, but just naturally, that's what businesses do. That's what families do. That's what churches do. Unless the people, the adults in the room, which we are, do something different with the young people. Do something different with the kids. It's a little quiet today. I know know I'm challenging you the past few weeks, but we need to talk about this type of stuff. Because if we don't, we will end up like the statistics. One generation experiences it. The next generation kind of knows a little bit about it. And the third generation knows nothing at all about what God has done. Now, let me give you a verse for that because actually your Bible figured that out way before Dr. Lester Summerall figured that out. Way before a business coach figured that out. This happened in the Bible. Let me give you a little context of it. In the Old Testament, there is God's people came out of Egypt, and Moses was the man who got God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And there was miracle signs and wonders, and he he got them out of Egypt, and then he took them through the Red Sea. Man, there were some miracles. God parted the Red Sea, and then they went into uh, the desert for 40 years. 40 years, there's a generation. 40 years. But then God told Moses, you can't be the one that takes them to the promised land. That's not your generation. It's not your job to do it. Your generation got stuck in a rut, literally stuck in the desert. And since y'all won't change the way you think about stuff and you refuse to change, your generation is going to stay here. You know the promised land was for you guys. You'll stay here the rest of your life. Now that's a whole other message. I'm not preaching on that. But if the shoe fits, wear it today. They were stuck for 40 years. And then God told Moses, you're not the guy to do it, so I'm going to have you pick Joshua. Joshua has a different generation, and Joshua's going to take you into the promised land because Joshua thought differently than Moses did. He was a different generation, and he had a group of young people that thought differently than their parents did who were stuck in the wilderness. So now I'm just laying a context of the verse we're about to read. So there's Moses' generation. 40 years of signs and wonders and miracles God did. Wow, we were slaves, we're free, Red Sea, manna from heaven, God giving them water in the desert. How many more miracles you got to do for these people? Then you got Joshua goes into the promised land, parts the Jordan River, good river name by the way. Hey now goes in there and all the different people that they encountered in the promised land, Joshua and God's people got victory and there was miracle after miracle after miracle in the book of Joshua. That's 40 more years. And then now there's another generation coming 40 years later, that third generation that I've been warning you about that Dr. Summerall said, they don't know anything about it that That statistically in business, there's the founder, there's the keeper, and then there's the squanderer who inherits it all. That's the verse I'm about to read about these people. Look what it says. After 40 years of miracles with Moses and 40 years of miracles with Joshua, 40 years later with this third generation, and look what it says in Judges. It's the saddest verse in the Bible. By far. I'm here to bring you hope today. I realize that. Saddest verse in the Bible. By far. Judges 2 and verse 10. After that generation died, that's Joshua's generation, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Saddest verse in the Bible. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not, some churches say they did not know the Lord. And they did not remember the things that he had done. Are you kidding me? No, come on now. Are you kidding me? They were old enough, they heard the story. Somehow somebody had to tell them, didn't they? But something happened in the generations that they didn't pass it on. And I'm not even blaming the kids in this passage Something happened in the generation of Moses and Joshua did not get past to this next generation. And these people, come on now, that their parents and their grandparents used to be slaves in Egypt. God delivered them from that and delivered them from the Red Sea and brought them them food in the wilderness and took them through the promised land and gave them houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't dig and he he did all this thing and they they overcame all these different cities and kings to inherit the promised land and the promises of God and now they're living in a place of prosperity and health and wholeness, and they're, they're living in a place that there's milk and honey flowing, uh-huh. and they got abundance, and they said they didn't know God. Yeah. Wow. How, oh, my goodness. Lord, How in the world? Right. Yeah. And they didn't even know what he had done. Right. Oh, wow. well, come yeah. on now. Why am I saying that? Because of this generation in the Bible could end up in a place that they didn't know God and know about the great things, who do we think we are? As a church, as parents, as grandparents, as aunt, uncle, if you just care about young people today, who do we think we are? If the people in this Bible that saw that type of miracle signs and wonders, they didn't pass it on, why do we think we're just automatically doing it? And they'll just get it. No, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about passing on our faith. Look what God did in those generations. But there was a generation who grew up that didn't know God. And they didn't know the things that happened. They didn't know the mighty works that God had done. We are no different than the people in the Bible. If it can happen in the this generation, it could happen in our generation. I'm not saying that to scare you, but I'm saying that that we get some sobriety in our thinking, get some urgency in our mind and say, we have to reach future generations. We have to be intentional about it. We have to train our kids and our grandkids. We have to do more as a church for young people, for young adults, for kids. Why? Because they could end up in a place like this. The worst thing that could happen to me ever is this. And if you're a real parent or grandparent, you'd say the same thing. If Natalie ever grew up and said one day, I don't know God, and I don't know anything he's ever done for us. That would be the worst possible thing. Now, that's my daughter, Natalie. She's 10 years old. If she grew up and said, Dad, I don't know God, and I don't know any miracle that ever happened for us. I don't know any, you know, healing that ever occurred. I don't know anything that God did for our family or for our church. That would be the worst thing that ever happened to me. I would feel the most grieved. And if you're a real parent or grandparent in here, you should feel the same way. You should. But that type of stuff will happen if we're just winging it. Well, our kids will get it if we just bring them here and there. Well, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just automatically give it if I tell them to just read their Bible here and there. No, no. We have to be intentional. And I'm saying, as parents and grandparents, but also as a church today, I'm challenging you both that we must pass on our faith. I love what the Apostle John says in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He goes, there's no greater joy I have than to know my kids walk in the truth. He was an elderly man when he said that. Could not we say that for ourselves in here? For the young people in our church, for the youth in our church, for the young adults in our church, not even even if they're not your your natural kids, there's no greater joy to know that these kids on the rock kids walk in the truth and they love God and they know God. There's no greater joy to see these young people know God and and know about miracles are real and healings are real. There's no greater joy to see young adults that know God. They know the power of God. They grew up in a church that they've seen miracles, healings, and signed his wonders, and they cannot forget that because they know God. There's no greater joy I have But we should all feel the same way. There's no greater joy on this earth knowing that our kids and our grandkids and the young people around us and in our communities and in this church community, they know God. And they know the mighty things he's done for us. And they know the truth, which is God's word. But it doesn't happen by accident happens when we're intentional about it. Are you still here? Are you good today? I know I'm kind of talking serious a little bit, but I want to challenge you. I love you, but I love this future generation, and I want us as a church to think right about it. We don't want to lose a generation. We want the generations that go past dad and myself to be stronger than we are to see more miracles than we do, to see more healings than we've ever seen, to do things greater than we ever did. That's God's will for every family, but every church as well. So there was a generation that says, that grew up after the generation died that said, we don't know God. We don't even know what he did for us. We don't know the mighty things he's done. It's crazy to think about there was a generation that just didn't, you didn't just hear it on accident after all these years. What does it matter with their parents and their grandparents? Were they not talking about this in the home? Apparently they weren't because there was a generation that grew up that didn't know God and didn't know the mighty things he has done for them. So, since since you're on board with me, right, I can tell you're with me now. You want to reach some young people, don't you? You care about your kids and your grandkids, don't you? You care about the, the future generations. In in the words of our old youth pastor, you care about the youth of America, don't you? You do. You care about these kids because they are our future, and it's important. Well, since you care so much, because I know you do, and God cares about them because he's a generational God, I want to give us some Things that we can all do as a family and as a church family to reach the next generation. Would you like to know that? So I'm going to give you three things, but with each of those three things, I want to give you two practical ways to apply that. So this is what we want to do first. If we're going to be a generational family and we're going to be a generational church, we have to be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach them. If we are going to change and love and grow future generations, we have to be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach them. Let's start here. Be willing to change your mind. It's automatic, and we all know it. Every generation is prejudiced against other generations. Now, now hear me, every generation trash talks the other generations. We do. We've always done that. But you knowing that, that you always have done that will help you understand the next generation. Now, let me talk to you for a second. Baby boomers. Baby boomers, which were the babies born after all the people came back from the war because they hadn't seen their wives in a long time. Hello, somebody the Lord is good. (laughs) Baby boomers, which uh, which there's a lot of baby boomers in this church, and the baby boomer generations is the generation that started this church. Because I'm talking about if we want to reach future generations, we have to be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach them. Let's first talk about be willing to change your mind. If you're going to reach kids and, and youth and young adults and have them in your life, and you be able to impact them, you have to be able to change your mind about them. You cannot have a bad attitude about them and reach them. You can't be prejudiced towards them and reach them. So baby boomer generation, when you guys were young, guess what? Your parents didn't like you guys either. (laughs) Am I right? Your parents and grandparents were giving you a hard time because you wanted to be a hippie. You wanted to smoke pot. You wanted to go out out west and get a surfboard and free love, and you didn't want to wear a shirt to school or whatever. You wanted to listen to the Beatles, and you wanted to, you know, listen to Led Zeppelin, and you wanted to be in a rock band and grow your beard out. Your parents didn't get you either. Why is no one saying anything? It's true. so every generation does that to the next generation and then that generation grows up and they look at the next generation like what's their problem not realizing you acted the same way when you were young why because you were trying to figure it out you were trying to understand yourself and you did things differently and your parents and grandparents didn't fully get it but you can always say the people that tried to understand you even though they weren't like you and they were willing to change their mind and not judge you were the people that helped you when you were young. We have to be willing to change our mind if we're going to reach the generations for God. We cannot be harsh and prejudiced and future generations not realizing when we were a young person we acted the same way. We had the same temptations. We had the same weird habits. We were the same way. We were insecure. We were trying to figure out ourselves. One generation is rock. Next generation, it's rap. One generation, they dress like this. Next generation, they dress like this. But it's all the same thing. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, which there's not. It all comes full circle. But we have to be willing to change our mind if we're going to reach Young people. Now, I'm saying this to you if you're a parent or a grandparent, but if you're a part of this church and you want to see young people be involved in this church, we cannot judge them and be prejudiced towards them and think that they're going to show up to a church like this. We have to be willing to change our thinking to empathize with them, to see them for who they are and get it from their perspective and understand them. And that doesn't mean you got to agree with them about everything to be understanding and to change your thinking about it you know that with millennials which i am and gen z and gen alpha the generations younger than me it's actually very true that they're looking for adults father and mother figures mentors in their life a lot of you in here think young people don't want to talk to me they they don't want my input they don't want my wisdom Actually, it's the opposite. Starting at my generation and younger, which I'm 35, those generations, because a lot of them didn't have good parental figures, they're looking for people that are solid and godly and wise. They're looking for fathers and mothers and mentors in their life, and you all are here. But sometimes us in here that are older think, well, young people don't want to talk to me and, you know, I'm not relevant because I don't have skinny jeans and a mohawk. Listen, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for moms and dads. They're looking for mentors. They're looking for grandparents. They're not looking for you to look like them. They want you to be you. But if we are not willing to change our mind towards young people, we won't be able to reach them even though they're looking for us. We need to be willing to change our mind about younger people. With compassion, with empathy. But you know what the number one thing that the generation starting with mine and younger is looking for? They say time and time again, they want older people or adults in their life to be real, to be authentic, and to be genuine. Can you guys do that? That's all it takes to reach young people. Does not take you looking just like them or listening to the same music they listen to or understanding TikTok. (laughs) See, there's not a lot of laughter because you're not understanding TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if Miss Donna in staff meeting could use the word ghosted, (laughs) then you all can learn something new, okay? She's almost 80 ghosted that means you disappear on somebody you just stop talking to them yeah see we have staff members in in here that are willing to change their mind she's going to be young at heart so if we're going to reach young people we have to be willing to change our mind hear me in here older generations young people are looking for you they're looking for mentors. They're looking for moms and dads that are godly, righteous, wise to get involved in their life. Don't be intimidated by them thinking they don't want to talk to me. They don't want to be a part of my life. No, young people are looking for you. But they just want you to be you. Be real. Be honest. Be genuine. And that's how we start reaching future generations. So we have to be willing to change our mind, change our thinking about younger people. Why? Because we realize this. It's automatically most generations are prejudiced against the younger generations. But we have to change that. Think about when we were a young person. Give them the same compassion you wish you had when you were younger. We have to be willing to change our mind. But we also have to be willing to change our methods. A lot of churches are dying Today, because they refuse to change their methods, they choose personal preference before reaching people. And unless we change our methods, we will not reach young people. We will not reach kids. We will not reach future generations. We have to stop putting our personal preference before we do reaching people. Now, we as a church have changed a lot of methods around here, but we will continue to change for future generations. Now, listen to me. The message and the methods are not the same thing. We will not change the message, which is the word of God. We will not change the belief that God's spirit is moving, but everything else is on the table. We have to change the methods. Now, this is what most churches do that thankfully you guys don't do, or at least you don't tell me you do. So a lot of churches, just to change the paint color, you're going to have a church split over. Most churches, when they're just trying to make it nicer for new people, and they're just like, no, we refuse. It was painted in 1957, and it's going to stay painted from 1957. Okay, keep it up. There will be no people there eventually. We've had these seats. Elder, deacon, Jebediah Smith gave us this. Yeah, that type of church. Gave us this chair in 1907, and we are not taking it out of the sanctuary. ain't nobody want to sit in that chair? Chair has no comfort, no cushion, made out of wood they found out back. But some churches, like, no, we we will refuse to move the, the pews because they're the pews. They're sacred. No, they're not. You're hurting people's backs, okay? You're making the methods more important than they need to be and losing people. Because you're stubborn. Be willing to change. Is it worth it? Is a person's life worth it to change? To change the chair or change the paint color or do something different, it's worth it. And trust me, there's a lot of churches that are that petty. But if we're going to reach kids and young people and young adults, we have to change our methods. Now, we've changed a lot of methods around here by the way we do stuff. But I'm 35 There's a generation coming after me that is gonna think what I'm doing is dated. You know what I'm gonna have to do? Change. Change. Or we get stuck and we die. And a generation will grow up and say, We don't know God and we don't know the great things He's done. We have to be willing to change our methods as a church. And as a family, if it's not working, change it. Now, here's an example for um, methods. Thinking about kids ministry. So, kids ministry, there used to be, when I was young, there was like a flannel graph. Do you know what a flannel graph is? (sighs) Yeah. There's a flannel graph, so there's all these different little Bible characters, and you move them around, and uh, that's how they told the Bible stories. Okay, we have a generation growing up that is addicted to their mom's cell phone. How many know that's not going to work? It's not going to work because they have the iPad all day long. They got the iPhone all day long. They're watching YouTube all day long, so flannel graphs are not going to work that's a funny example but some churches are still doing that saying well this is the best this is the way we've always done it and it's always worked so we're not going to change it no you need to get a flat screen tv and you need to get an ipad and you need to watch some videos for the kids that are fun and exciting that weren't made in 1977 why because these kids are seeing more and having more exciting times outside of church than they are inside of church why would they want to come to church we got to be willing to change our methods. And, and you think, well, that's not that important. Yes, it is. Yeah, right. Same with our music. I know some of you would love us to sing hymns, and I'm an old soul. Even though I'm 35, I feel like I'm 105 some days. I'm an old soul at heart, and I love hymns, and I love black gospel, and I love old-timey music, and I love the Gaithers. I'm an old soul. But guess what? We can't play that type of music all the time around here. And I love it, and sometimes we will play some of it because it's still got the anointing on it. But we play music that's current and fun and alive, and, and I enjoy it. And I think it's an anointed just like a hymn's anointed. But we're not going to be stuck just because some of us have a personal preference. That I want to hear this type of music, and I ain't coming if I don't hear my hymn. People act that way in church. But we got to be willing to change because when we have the attitude, who are you putting first you you're putting yourself first If I don't hear my music, I ain't coming to that church. What ain't about you, buddy. If they, if they change the chairs one more time in church, I'm out of here. What happened to the regular lights? Why do they go put colored lights on the stage? Hurts my eyeballs. Ain't about your eyeballs, bud. It's about making our church, our sanctuary, our kids' classes so youth and kids and young adults feel welcome to come They feel excited to come. They feel empowered to come. And they love being at church. Now hopefully you're not offended at what I'm saying. But think about it. Listen, I'm 35 years old and church is not even about me anymore. So if you're older than me, it's definitely not about you anymore. I'm sorry, but it's not. It's about The future generations. Now, am I saying God doesn't care about you? No, he cares about you. But you'll get something when you start serving future generations. You'll get so much more being a blessing and giving instead of just, well, I'm just coming to church for me. I'm going to ride this out till we close the church down. Come on now. I love you. But it's not about you guys. We have to change to reach future generations. It's not about me. And I'm 35. You know who it's about? Natalie, who's 10. It's about the preschooler. Who's three. It's about the people in the nursery right now. It's about the young adults at church. It's about the the teenagers that are about to, the 130 teenagers that are about to go to youth camp. That's who it's about. We're not left out adults. We will get a blessing from being a blessing to them. That's the most exciting life anyways, passing my faith on. That is not just about me. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. I have... A lot of solid smiles in here, and then I got a lot of questionable looks as well (laughs) right this moment, just to be honest with you. But we must be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach future generations. It's important. Why? Because God is a generational God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God cares about the generations And we should keep out the generations because if we don't, we will end up with a generation in this church or in our personal family that grows up and says, I don't know the God that you know, mom and dad, or grandma and grandpa, and I don't even know what he's ever done. I don't want to come to church. It happens all the time and we think it doesn't, but it does. Unless we are intentional about reaching generations. So we'll go to a different point to give you a little break from that one real quick. We have to be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach generations. The next thing is we need to train them by our words and by our example. We need to train them by our words and by our example. Proverbs 22.6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Can we pull up the Good News Translation if we have that? Teach your children how they should live, and they will remember it all their life. Now, if you read your Bible in Deuteronomy 4 and 6, and even in chapter 11, this is the challenge that... That Notice Moses gave the generation that was supposed to give it to Joshua's generation that was supposed to give it to the next generation that said that we didn't know God. But notice what he said that you should do so that doesn't happen. Deuteronomy 11 in verse 18. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. So if we're going to reach future generations, we have to train them by our words And by our example, let's talk about training them by our words for a second. Moses gave this challenge to the people in Deuteronomy, the generation about to go out, that when you are at home and when you're on the road and wherever you are, you need to teach your kids and pass this on. Why? So that you and your children will flourish in the land that God has given you. But it doesn't happen unless you teach them with your words. Now hear me in here, parents, grandparents, or if you just love kids. It does not just happen just because they come to church. Yes, they hear God's word in church. But they need to hear you preaching to them God's word. You need to teach your young person, God's word, their mom and dad, their grandparents, their aunt and uncle, their community surrounding them. And it's, the Bible says when you're at your house or on the road, that means everywhere you are, you should be talking to your kids about God's word. Here's another thing. You should tell them your testimony. So many of us adults in here, we know each other's testimony, but your kids don't even know your testimony. Tell your children the things that God has done for them. The things that God has done for your family, the miracles you've seen, the healings you've seen, what God has delivered you from and what God has done for your family. Sometimes we take it for granted that your kids or your grandkids know that and they don't. And what does it say in Deuteronomy? If you don't do that, don't expect your kids to grow up and be flourishing in the land that God has for them. And when we don't do that, we'll end up like the generation that says they didn't know God and they didn't know the things that he'd done for them. That's why we have to teach our kids with our words. Don't rely on the school to teach your kids or just the church to teach your kids. You teach your kids. God gave them to you. And we must teach our kids in our homes what's the reality of God and his word and what God has done for us. Why? So when they grow up, the Bible says they will teach their kids that. And then they will teach their kids that. And the generations will dwell and flourish in the land that God has given them. But when we don't do that, generation grows up and says, I don't know God. I don't know the things he's done for us. Now we also need to be Training them by our example, that means how you live. Because your kids, and you know this, won't just do what you say, they will do what you do. Amen or oh me? So we need to teach them with our words and with our example. How you live matters to your kids. Training them is both taught and caught. They need to see you talk about the things of God, but they need to see you live out the things of God. Now, let me challenge you, you parents and grandparents in here. Do your kids see you come to church? Do they see you be faithful to church? Do your kids see you serve in ministry helps at your church? Do your kids see you give your tithe and your offering at the church? Do your kids see you walk in love with other people? Do your kids see you forgive other people? Do your kids ever see you reading your Bible? Do your kids ever see you praying? Do your kids ever see you turn on worship in your car? Or do you just turn on country music? Come on, don't make me preach about Morgan Wallen because I will. I'll say it if I need to. We need to show and train our kids by what we say and what we do. That's how we train them in the things of God. Now, everything I'm saying, once again, why am I saying this? Because we want to be families, but a church that reaches future generations. And we have to train them by our words and by our example. It's both taught and caught. Yes, you got to talk to them about it. Even if it's awkward, bring it up. The more you talk about the things of God, the less awkward it will be. But you need to talk to them about it. And they need to see your example of living those things out. You can't tell your kids to pray if they never see you pray. You can't tell your kids to read your Bible if you never read your Bible. You can't tell your kids, you need to be faithful to church, but I'm going to go ahead and stay home this Sunday. doesn't work like that. You need to be an example to them. The last thing we want to talk about is this. We need to invest in relationships and resources to reach future generations. Brother Darrell, could you come play and we'll close here. We need to invest in relationships and resources to reach future generations. Real quickly, because God cares about the generations, this is what we need to be willing to do. Real, real quick, recap. We need to be willing to change our mind and our methods to reach young people. We need to train them by our words and by our example. And if we're going to have future generations at this church and in your own personal life that love God and know God, and they go further than all of us go in here, We're going to have to invest into them in our relationships, in our resources. You with me today? Now, I know the past two weeks I've really challenged you. I said I was tapping in to my challenger frequency. Remember that? I said that's one of my communication gifts is challenger. Because I'm stirred up about it, church family. I'm not upset at you because a lot of you are already doing this. That's why we have a good church. That's why we have a huge Bible event week. That's why we have 130 students going to camp. I'm not bringing this up because it's a problem right now. I'm bringing this up so we never have a problem with it at church. So we never have a gap in our church. So we never have to get to a place where we're like, where did all the young people go? You should have changed 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I'm saying it Today. So we never get to that place. And we build on the generations to come. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, though. I've been in church a long time. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm over-churched. Some are de-churched. I'm over-churched. I grew up over-churched. I have too many church services. I could share some of my church services with other people. I got too many. And I'm 35 years old. I know a lot of you are like, that's not old at all. I feel it feels older than because I've been doing this a long time. I've been preaching since I was 18. So I ain't new to this. I'm true to this. Y'all catch that? but I think about this every day I come to church every day I have a staff meeting every day I'm preparing messages and I love all of you in here so much but I'm thinking constantly about what's the point if we just had a really good run man we, we man, church on rock was getting it for a few decades though <laughs> and then we lose future generations if we're not intentional that's what will happen There was a generation that grew up after they died and it said they didn't know God. And they didn't know the things he'd done for them. I'm sorry, I'm emotional. It's because it's real to me. But I'm thinking about Natalie, who's 10. And I'm thinking about Justice, who's 11. I'm thinking about Judah, who's 13. I'm thinking about Roman, who's 16. I'm thinking about all your kids, all your grandkids, everyone in that back building. And I don't want them to grow up not knowing the God that their grandpa knew. And their grandma And their mom and dad knew. And their uncle knew. But they don't know Or they grow up and say, well, we know him, but we don't know what God did. What did God ever do? You think, well, that would never happen. It happens all the time. It happens in ministries everywhere. It happens in churches everywhere. There's great men and women of God that their grandkids Did not even believe in God. I'm thinking, how could that happen? Because somebody wasn't intentional about it. There was a generation that said, I'm not going to make this all about me and personal preference, and I just want to do church for me, and I want to have a ministry for me. I'm willing to change. I heard a pastor say this recently, and I fully agree with it. He goes, we will do everything short of sin, To reach young people. I'm with them. If it ain't sin, it's open to change. We'll do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. But I want those, your kids, my kids, to grow up in the church and not say, well, we heard about that. We heard about those meetings. We heard about 95, 96, 97, 98. We heard about those camps. You know, we heard about, you know, Grandma said this and Grandpa did this. We never saw it. Doesn't have to be that way. But they know. Why? Because they know God and they've heard about it, but they've seen it with their own eyes. They've seen healings with their own eyes. They've seen deliverance with their own eyes. They've seen miracles with their own eyes. They've seen the power of God with their own eyes. And it's not just grandma and grandpa's faith or mom and dad's faith, but it's my faith. And those future generations take it further than all of us in here together. That's God's will for every church, for every family, come on now, for every society, for every one of us in here, that we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and the future generations do way more than we ever did. Because they're building on our foundation. They're building on our foundation. We have to invest in relationships and resources if that's going to happen. Proverbs says a good man or woman, or we could say a good church, leaves an inheritance for children's children. We need to have some people in here that invest in relationships with young people. Take them to lunch. Get them coffee. They ain't got no money. They'll go with you. They will go with you. Trust me. If you save food, they will go with you. We need to stop treating kids and young people and young adults like a burden. They are a blessing. We need to serve them like that. If you're able to serve and qualified to serve, there's always more room in Kids on the Rock. We could always use more help in the youth ministry at Church on the Rock. But we need to invest in relationships. (coughs) And I'm really going to close. We need to invest in future generations with our resources. I love this quote. It says, the best way to spend one's life is to invest it in something or someone that will outlast them. The best way to spend your life is not on you. The best way to spend your life is to invest it in something or someone that will outlast them. There's no greater thing to invest in than young people, kids, the future generations of the church. Because they will outlast us. True success is not in big bank accounts cars, houses, fame, fortune. True success is when we have successors. And that's been a priority for our church for 38 years, kids and young people, and we put a lot of money that way, and we will continue to put a lot of money in that direction. Every time you give your tithe and offering, part of that is going to help kids and young people. When we're taking up, offerings for Bible Adventure Week for summer camp, that money's going to minister to help future generations. And it's an investment. You know, the thing is interesting to me to note that sometimes Christians have a hard time investing their money in the church or in young people when corporations don't. No, let's talk about this for a second since y'all brought it up. Every major corporation and every Fortune 500 company, where's their money at? Kids, youth, young adults. Why? Because that's where the money making is. That's the future. They put their money into the young people. Why? Because they believe there will be an investment. There will be return on their investment. But notice that when they invest in those natural things, they are not eternal. They are not spiritual. They're temporary. Coke, Pepsi, Doritos, YouTube, Netflix, Disney, every clothing company is investing in young people more than churches are. Apple, which is a trillion-dollar company, the only trillion-dollar company on the planet, Their target market is teenagers and young adults. Apple. They're spending hundreds of billions to reach young people. How much more the church? Should we invest in relationships, but in our resources, our money, in generations that will outlast us? But not just giving them money to give them money, but giving money to put them in a place where they could hear God and they could know God and they could see God move and they can know the mighty things that he has done. And that we can invest in eternal things to reach the next generation. If all these companies can do it, how much more the church? And they're just trying to sell iPhones and more Cokes, uh, Cokes and Pepsis. But we're trying to invest into them eternal things. If we're going to be a generational church, we need to invest in relationships and resources. Because young people matter, kids matter, youth matter, young adults matter. And yeah, all of us matter, but we're the adults in the room. We need to stop being so selfish. Stop thinking about us for and no more and start caring about them, reaching them. And guess what? If you do that, you will get so much in return. That's where the blessing is, not in you just thinking about yourself. But we're going to do these things as a church, but I'm challenging you to do these things as a family to invest in the future generation. What are we going to do? We're going to be willing to change our mind and our methods. We're going to train them by our words and our example, and we're going to invest in them in relationships and resources. Could you stand up with me today? Thank you. I appreciate you coming today. I appreciate you letting me challenge you for two weeks. You showed up two weeks in a row and I challenged you. I appreciate you taking up the challenge. I say it because I love you and I want what's best for you. And I want what's best for this church. And what I want what's best for these young people that are this coming generation. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.